reasons why it's wrong and right If you stay or if you go Just can't take another sleepless night With nothing more to show Round and round we go forever How will we know? Maybe never Close your eyes, pick a hand and go multi-instrumentalist, two-time Juno Award winner and inductee in the BC Entertainment Hall of Fame, Shari Ulrich, with Freefall from her wonderful 2015 album, Everywhere I Go. She's a special guest on Folk Roots Radio at the Folk Music Ontario Conference. I believe it is Saturday. It could be Thursday or Wednesday, but <laughs> we've been here a while. We've been having lots of fun doing interviews and 
uh, hosting showcases, meeting lots of great musicians. And it blows my mind how many wonderful musicians are out there in all sorts of different genres. But it's kind of cool when you actually invite someone to come for an interview and then you find out they've done so many things. Not only are they a multi-instrumentalist playing fiddle, mandolin, guitar, piano, they also have a flourishing solo career. They play in a wonderful bluegrass band and they're also in a folk supergroup. That is BTU or Bentol Taylor and Ulrich. Sherry Ulrich, it's great to have you join us on Folk Roots Radio. Well, great to be here. And you've done a great job of hosting these um, the showcases. Well, thank yeah. you. You know, and I do love it. And I, I think I just like to, I don't know if I just like to be close when all of these wonderful musicians are playing because it, it is amazing. And, it, and you know, it, I feel like I have to, to go out in the streets with a sandwich board on saying, <laughs> you know, you don't need to listen to the music that they feed you. Exactly. Go out and explore. There's yeah. so much amazing stuff out there. Yeah. And let's not forget the other supergroup with um, Bill Henderson and Roy Forbes. That's the first of that sort of thing that I did, which was um, tw um, at least 25 years ago now, probably yeah. more. Well, you started things off by turning the clock back. So can we turn the clock back and talk a little bit about how you... Uh, got started in music? Yes. I had just come to Canada. I'd been here for maybe a year. Um, and I came during the Vietnam War when Kent State happened is when I bolted. Decided I wanted to be somewhere else. Best thing I ever did. And I started meeting musicians who started seeing something in me. And at that point, I had just started playing violin again. I'd, I'd taken it in grade school. And I picked it up again. And of course, like everybody in that era, I was had a guitar with me and was learning the tunes of the time, you know, Joni Mitchell and Jackson Brown and that sort of thing. Um, so slowly, I was on a uh, living on a commune in Gibsons on the West Coast, and the, the guitar player, there was a guitar player who lived there, and we used to go into the Nam restaurant, which still exists, still thriving, and play on the weekends. And that's how I started to meet musicians. And it just started from there. I would say... So much of my career has been people affirming and encouraging me, like right from the start when it didn't even occur to me to be a musician. So we started out with a, a track from your most recent solo album, which was wonderfully well received, a fabulous, fabulous album, certainly one, my, one of my favorites of that year. Um, your solo career, would you say that's sort of like, well, that's who I am and these are other combos are bands that I lend my talents to? I'd say because the, the bands like BTU and UHF are uh, three solo artists, and I'd say that it, it's, um, it's just as much me, it just allows me to be a, a supportive musician two-thirds of the time. And that's a huge part of what I love about music. I love serving the song. So that allows me to do that. And, but in terms of me as an artist, because of the nature of the groups, it's just as much me as an artist as me being solo. Uh, hometown band was a different story. I, I didn't even write in the hometown band era. I had just started, uh, just started writing. And then uh, and Pied Pumpkin was Rick Scott and Joe Mock's music. Uh, but again, it, that experience, which was my first, uh, first band, uh, really was form it really formed me as a musician because it was so spontaneous and it allowed me all the room in the world as a as a supportive musician 
Yeah, so it's every one of them has has provided me uh, a tremendous experience. But I, I always wonder about the juggling hats aspect of of all these uh, things because it, it 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 almost seems like it's almost like well I'm going to have to put this down a little bit because I have to pick this up and and focus it like for instance BTU because I think that album came out in 2016. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That would make the, sense. Yeah. yeah. So that was the album you did with Barney Bentle, Tom Taylor, and yourself. Right. Uh, but then that becomes a major focus. And although you know you're very strong songwriters coming together uh, to play, I imagine that becomes a well. This is where we need to spend our time at the moment. Well, with that particular project, because uh, the nature of Barney's career and my career. Um, and, and Borealis is probably not that thrilled about this, but we don't play a ton. So it wasn't like we decided, okay, we're spending this year focusing on getting this album out there and playing shows and playing shows. Uh, it's, it's actually one of the things that I like about my career because they're, none of them command that sort of attention. They all deserve attention and they all des deserve focus and, and I love going out to play with all of those different combinations, including all of my own combinations of solo, duo, trio, quartet, full band, that sort of thing. So really it's, it's what the next thing that comes up on the horizon. So when we finished that album, we did a bunch of shows and, and then, you know, everybody else's time was already mapped out for the rest of the year. And, um, none of us take, well, I was going to say none of us take it too seriously. We don't take ourselves so seriously. We do what comes up and we serve it as best we can. I mean, I don't know if I should speak for everybody I work with, but um, that's certainly what I do. And uh, and while I'm doing that thing, I'm giving it my all. So as far as the, the solo career is concerned, the solo singer-songwriter, are you planning to, to work on a new album? Oh, yes. Yeah. I spent the summer writing. I spent a summer that was um, more indulgent than any time I've ever spent writing where I really set aside the time I didn't I've just did two or three shows a month I didn't book festivals and I just focused on writing a new album and it worked do you find that easy to do I mean, no I no. do not <laughs> I always wonder with someone as being as successful as yourself it's like you know, does it come easily? Or oh, it sounds no, like you it have does to focus. not come easily. Yeah, well, especially get, getting into that zone. I am a resistor. I will, there's a million other things that need attention, you know, especially as a, as a self-managed, self-booking artist, as, as all of, uh, so many of these artists here at FMO would testify. There are so many demands on your time. So it's very easy to say, well, these are all these important things I need to do today. So writing always goes to the bottom of the list for me. Um, so I have to set aside the time. And then there's getting over that hump of thinking, oh, my God, maybe I'm never going to have another good idea. You know, this is possible. And, of course, it's not really possible. Um, and once I surrender to it and really submerse myself in that zone then they start coming and then I start to enjoy it and then I love it and then I'm on the other side of it going oh my god I love these songs so that's where I am right now and so have you gone in the studio with the new songs yet? no we're gonna be going in this winter oh. yeah so I, I have a, a <laughs> my engineer and producer my daughter Julia Graf is very busy so I really have to book my time with her or she won't have it so when yeah. when would 
When do you hope to release that album? Oh, in the spring. In the spring. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. As well as your solo career, you're also a member of the High Bar Gang, which which sounds right. like, it, it almost sounds like, is that like escapism for you? To be able to to get into a you know a bluegrass combo like that and just have fun. Oh, playing. only in regards to the fact that I don't have to make it happen. I don't have to book the shows. I don't have to keep the ball rolling. That's Colin Nairn, whose vision the band was originally. Um, so that's very liberating, and to just know that my job is to serve that music and serve that project and. Uh, and it's you know it's not my song, so I can just have fun with it. Like all of us, there's seven of us in the band, and we all do it because it's so much fun. And it doesn't have that same kind of earnest, um, um, you know, very personal relationship like we have with our own music and our own careers and our own songs. So yeah, it's really so in fun. that in that band, you mostly play fiddle. I mostly play fiddle, yeah. We have two other mandolin players, but particularly Colin. I mean, Colin's a guitar player who loves to play mandolin, so he's he just he practices all the time, and he gets better and better and better. So the songs that he used to play on guitar, slowly he's moving over to to mandolin, and uh, and he's much better than I am. So that works out just fine. And he can't play the fiddle, so oh, that's that's perfect. <laughs> so let's play a, a track from the High Bar Gang. What are we going to play? Oh, uh, yeah, this is our one of our favorites right now because it's we have three, well, four strong singers, including Barney, um, with Kirby ben, uh, Kirby Barber, who is also the bass player and singer in my trio, uh, and uh, Wendy Bird, who is Colin's wife. Uh, so this is a full-on three-part uh, Don't This Road Look Rough and Rocky, and I should know the history. Colin's never going to forgive me for this because Colin is such a student of all of that. That's why he wanted to create this band, and I don't know the history of it. This is terrible. This is the Highbow Gang with Don't This Road Look Rough and Rocky. I'm Jan Hall for Folk Roots Radio at Folk Music Ontario. Oh 
the High Bar Gang with Don't This Road Look Rough and Rocky. I'm Jan Hall. We're at Folk Music Ontario for Folk Roots Radio. We're in our mobile studio. Some people just call it a hotel room, but I have been <laughs> recording interviews in here for, I don't know, a day and a half now, and it's definitely feeling a bit like a studio. My guest is Shari Elric, uh, who has a wonderful solo career, is a member of the High Bar Gang and also BTU, which is... Bentall, Taylor, and Ulrich. That song that we just listened to, though, was that Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs? Yes, originally, yes. Yeah. It's been done, it's re- been recorded many times. Is there going to be more High Bar Gang coming up? Yes, there will be more High Bar Gang. Yeah. yeah. Now, I always wonder, you know, you, because you're so West Coast based and Canada being such a huge country, do you find that you often play more at West than you do? The As a part of the solo country? artist, or or uh, the high I was bar the, game, well, I or was everything generally, yeah, yeah, generally no, actually, I'd say that a little bit more in Vancouver for fundraisers, okay. um, but otherwise it's pretty balanced yeah. when I go across the country. I mean, maybe a little bit more in Alberta and BC, but just because it's accessible. Well, you know, it's always interesting because you know when you have people like yourself. I mean, you know, from BC. Um, coming out to Folk Music Ontario, which is, you know, it's the premier folk conference for yes. uh, for the East. I mean, you know, a lot of people from all over the country tend to, to come to the, to this conference. Mm-hmm. I'm curious always to, to get the motivation of the artist saying, well, you know, I haven't been there for a few years. This is why I came back. What would you say for you? Well, you know, I love playing Ontario, and I'm coming out in May with my trio, so I thought, well, this is good to hustle up some more shows. Um, and, I, you know, I tend to think of Canada as Canada, and, and uh, Ontario, of course, is a huge, um, huge place to play music. I've done a lot of touring out here. So when you play with the trio, tell me about the trio. Oh, the trio. I love the trio. I, yeah, I'm in this phase where I love every aspect of what I do. So I love playing solo, which I had to do when Julia went off to university and, you know, I wasn't going to wait for her to get out of school before I toured again. She was my main accompanist. Um, so I started touring solo and I was amazed at how much stronger I got as a performer. There's something about really having to hold a stage on your own, musically as well as every other way. Uh, so then the trio is Julia and, uh, as I said, High Bar Gang member um, Kirby Barber, who plays a lot in the country world. She's also on tour all the time. Um, so I'm lucky to get her. And then we just added a keyboard player, um, Cindy Fairbank, who used to play with Madison Violet and happened to move to Bowen Island with Andy Shepard, who uh, is a producer. He did Coco Love Alcorn's last album. Um, and she's the music school uh, music teacher at the school, and really one of my favorite piano players ever. And she plays a mean B three as well, which she doesn't do in my band. But um, so it's this group of women who are not only so skilled at what they do, but they do it with this amazing attitude of support and presence. And you know, I'm a huge believer in serving the song and serving the music. And it's not about proving that you're a great player or it's not about the ego. I mean, even for the artist, I, I don't, when I'm performing, I'm celebrating the song. I'm not, and music and what it does for people, not me. You know, I'm just the conduit for it. 
So they're, they have that kind of attitude as well. And it's, God, it's just such a wonderful kind of energy to, to have on stage. Do you think it would be reasonable to say that, you know, ego can sometimes get in the way of the health of a music career? That, you know, it may be great in the short term to, to really, you know, live on the ego, but after that, it can actually start to have a negative effect on you? It's a, such an interesting and fascinating, endlessly fascinating subject to me because you do have to have, you have to have confidence. You have to feel like I'm good at what I do. I'm excited to share this with you. Um, but if it's about feeding a hole, you know, which is really what the ego ends up being when it's in an unhealthy state, um, then it can become a twisted thing. Uh, you know, I, I, when I get affirmation, I feel like it's not about me. It's not about me as a as a person so much. It's about how it's about the voice and the hands that that create the music that gets into the heart and makes it changes people. It makes people feel things that they keep buried, or you know, it just awakens things in humans that that fascinates me and of course we've all seen what happens when when it when the hole is there and really nothing fills the hole uh the drugs don't i mean all there's and and the the performing can be part of that and uh it usually doesn't end well can we talk a bit about the the uh, live experience itself you mentioned fundraisers sound like that's mm -hmm. very important to you but also the style of the music you make and, you know, about how important it is to make sure that you're not just playing with the right people, but having that real connectedness between the people you're with. Yes. Uh, can you speak to how important that is to you? Well, if you're talking about fundraisers specifically, I, I always feel like I want the songs to serve the occasion. I mean, that sounds kind of corny, but... Um, uh, because it's, uh, I've never done music as sheer entertainment, um, not that I think Pied Pumpkin was that. I mean, Pied Pumpkin had some real depth in, in the lyrics too. Um, but it it just made people so happy. It just made them cut loose and go crazy. Um, and I haven't that hasn't been my music. Um, so uh, I find in in doing fundraisers, I really want to to connect that um, connect emotionally with the audience to help them feel connected to why they're there. Um, and when it comes to just generally, uh, for some reason I write songs about life and my life, and my life is very similar to a lot of other people's lives, so they see themselves in the song, and you know, always walking that line and creating something that's very personal, which becomes universal, and, and um, I just find that what it can do to humans is, is like nothing else. Really? And, and with the trio, when you're playing together in a, a live situation? Again, it's just that sense of everybody is so into uh, feeding the song and what it can, the impact that it can have. And there's such care in that and such joy in the experience of doing it. Um, I, I've, you know, I've had a occasional experiences over the years with working with a musician who's just grumpy, just sour. They, they, you know, not all the situations musicians play in are, you know, you're not being held up on a pedestal. You're playing in situations that if, if you have an ego 
investment in how you're being treated or whether or not you're it's a it's a elevated kind of situation where you're being held up um it can be it can make you bitter or it can make you feel like you're not you're being mistreated or disrespected or something and uh, I just never take it like that. I take it that this is a situation where we get to share music. It, I mean, I, I, of course, I prefer a 3,000-seat theater and fantastic sound system and dinner served before the show. That's nice. Um, but it's not always like that. So sometimes musicians, and they're usually ones who've done a lot of casuals, and they really are treated like you know they have to go through the kitchen and they, they're lucky if they get fed in some room, you know. Um, that just hasn't been my experience. So if it is their experience, they can be testy and dark and 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 t- carry it on stage. And I had just have no no patience for it. That's not what I want to have around me. So I've I've just been, uh, you know, I I do choose my musicians, but which is based on that and their skill. It's based on their attitude. Um, and when I get the ones that have that great attitude, it it really elevates everything. So you're going to be back in Ontario in 2018. Can you talk a little bit about what people can expect when they come out to those shows? Well, the trio, the the great thing about the trio is the vocals. Oh, my God. I mean, even with just Julie and I, there is that familial resonance that we have. um, And Kirby just blends beautifully with us. And they're so pristine in their execution. I mean, they're also not precious about it. It's just what comes out of them. Um, but they have big ears, and and I find that the the human voice is a very powerful thing. So when you get that kind of um, wonderful harmonies, it's it really does something to people, and to us. I mean, I love it. You know, Julia adds all this different color with mandolin and and accordion and guitar and and fiddle, of course, and she has that tone that that I have never quite achieved as a fiddle player. She has that rich, gorgeous, gorgeous tone that just sends me. And lots of humor, lots of fun, lots of Yeah, the humor Daphne, I can see. Yeah, humor is so important. I mean, sometimes for me, (laughs) there'll be more humor in a a tough show than there will be in a really easy show because it's, it's my survival technique. You know, I always feel like, the most important thing is that audiences be comfortable. So no matter what's going on on stage, I will always make sure that they're comfortable, which usually means humor. So if something's really going awry, then you're going to get a lot more humor. <laughs> well, look, it's been great to, to talk to you today. If people want to learn more about your music, how can they do that? Well, they can go to my website, sherryulrich.com, and of course, all over Facebook and all of that stuff. All that stuff yeah. that we all do every day to, to try and make sure people know what we do. Well, doing. yeah, just getting getting the word out. And thank you for a great interview. You're good. You're very good. Well, I have so much fun, <laughs> but I have to be honest. It all depends on the person I'm interviewing. Now, we're not done yet because I do want to huh? talk about BTU because I love that combo because you're all strong songwriters mm-hmm. and you really come ahead to share. And one of the curious things that I have before we play something from uh, Ben Toll Taylor and Ulrich, is how you decide which songs are going to go to a combo like that and which songs you'll keep yeah, for yourself. Yeah, that's interesting. Usually, uh, I think we always play things for one another and just to get a sense of 
of, of what the other two think, uh, about its, how it, well it fits for the combination. Um, I think it's often vocal based because it, it is, you know, I'm just a sucker for, for harmonies. Although not everything we do has harmonies on it. Um, so yeah, so it's a combination of just sort of instinctive, what we think might fit and how, how they respond. And I have to say both Barney and Tom are so affirming and they're so enthusiastic. Like the, the, the brother sisterhood that we have, uh, we all really value and, and there's no one, uh, as supportive in my life as those two guys are musically and yeah, in every way. I love them. <laughs> We're going to finish with some music from BTU, Bentall, Taylor, and Elric. What are we going to play? We are, oh, we're going to play a song that I wrote on Salt Spring Island. It was shortly after Robin Williams passed away, and, and I'm always fascinated when things... I mean, one of the great things about being a songwriter is it gives you an, a vehicle to translate what's going on in life. So when big things happen in the world, there's a lot of songs out there about Robin Williams, you can bet. I didn't used to introduce it as, as being about that because, of course, it's, it's about anyone who, who ends their life, uh, which is incredibly traumatic for all those who love that person. Um, yeah, so that's what it's about. Sherry Alrick, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. This is Bentall Taylor and Alric with You Got Lost. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio at Folk Music Ontario, and I'm Jan Hall. Thanks again. Face